Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back. Here we go. Uh, I've written another substack on the American Classroom page. Bounce over there and check it out if you're interested. I will include it in the description below. Hopefully it talks some people off of the ledge a little bit as to what is going on with the real president of the United States and uh, some other, just basically two general happenings that uh, are certainly in place that would indicate to any thinking person that, again, the good guys are fully in charge. There's no doubt about it. And again, just look back on what happened on Tuesday. Excuse me. I think that was rather interesting. I think it was pretty interesting that Again, he announced that he was going to give a speech. A lot of people didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of the sudden, news breaks on about 12 different subjects, one of which included falsely blaming Russia for some missile attack in Poland. I mean, it's beyond ridiculous. And this, again, was proven in Q posts that this is exactly what happens. This is how the bad guys operate. And uh, these these plays get made by the good guys in order to force the bad guys into doing something. But it doesn't work. And thankfully for those of us that are paying attention, and I know you're paying attention too, you know, these these things don't go unnoticed. So with that said, there's two posts here from greatawakening.win that I wanted to read. This first one was from Wednesday, again the morning after that speech. And it says the following quote Tonight was bigger than you think. It says, our expectations were way too high, so it's harder to see how big it was. But let's walk down the logical brick road tonight. Did you know Trump's speech was aired almost in its entirety on CNN, C-SPAN, and Fox News? Who watches those networks? Not us. We don't trust the mainstream media. So Trump has new eyeballs on him. What was he supposed to do? come out in loud, aggressive fashion in front of D's who were already brainwashed to believe Trump was a madman. Instead, he comes out calm, collected, thoughtful, non-threatening in any way. This is a marketing tactic called pattern interruption. People expect to see you perform one way, so they already have preset rebuttals for what they think you're going to do. But you come out a completely different way and confuse them. They didn't game plan, quote-unquote, for that. So instead of Trump looking like a raging maniac that the mainstream media pushed to their sheep, Trump looks shockingly sane. And guess what? He spoke for a whole hour and hasn't stuttered or stumbled once. No slurred speech, no forgotten thoughts or sentences that started in one way and ended up nowhere. This is important. Because the people who watch the mainstream media are used to seeing two years of dementia. Now they circle back to Trump for the first time in probably two years and hear his voice very differently. Since CNN was watching, no mention of election fraud. Did Trump sell out? No. He has to keep the cameras rolling. He mentions stolen elections and the cameras go off. The new people don't hear the rest of Trump's words. And what's Trump saying? He's saying the same thing he said and warned them about on the campaign trail. Back then, they thought he was lying. Now they know he was always telling the truth. He just won a larger audience of voters now. But this is only the beginning. Unquote. I completely agree with that assessment. It's warfare. 
And he knows the media and he knows television, so to speak, and he knows entertainment and he knows how to hype things up and he knows how to deliver. And that's what he did. Again, as I describe in my Substack, it's very easy for over-emotional individuals to have their judgment clouded. And that the more individuals speculate about things, they tend to arrive on some kind of a foundation that ultimately might be built on quicksand. It's well-intended. It's not, it's not like it's bad speculation. It just doesn't always take in multi-dimensional avenues. And it doesn't take in multiple variables from multiple angles, in particular the enemies. What is the enemy expecting? The enemy was expecting that day for him to come out again and start screaming and yelling, pointing fingers and saying that, you know, we're under martial law, military's in control, now all the bad guys are going to hang. And again, we, we wanted that too. But that just proves that the bad guys know what's up. They really know he's the president of the United States. They know this. And as I said earlier, and this is something, again, that we're going to have to watch for, is are these individuals, because I know there's a lot of talk about this too, which is interesting, about him potentially becoming the, the Speaker of the House. Again, you don't have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. Anybody can be Speaker of the House. The only thing that has to happen is, is enough people on the House floor have to say your name and vote for you on January, whatever that is, 6th, I think. And if they do that, or 3rd, one of those two dates, uh, and, and if they do that, then that individual becomes Speaker of the House. It could be that individuals on the right, so to speak, in the Republican Party will say Donald Trump's name as Speaker of the House, uh, or at least vote for him, even though he may not actually get it. You know, that's, that's another thing that's, that's occurring that's panicking the bad guys. They've even gone on the Sunday news shows on Sunday morning and, and talked about this very thing. So it's all gameplay. It's multidimensional chess, and it's really interesting to watch because the bad guys know that they're losing. So they're trying to do whatever they can to confuse as many people as humanly possible. And uh, it's working for those that still believe all of their words. But for those of us, it really is a show. And it's interesting to watch. Here's the next post that was on greatawakening.win. This is just from uh, yesterday as well. It says the following. It says, anyone else oddly at peace? I have gone from disappointment to understanding and accepting after deep thought. It says the following, quote, I have now 100% accepted that the only way is for everything to go to shit. Normies have to be brought to near annihilation. I despise normies, but that is the path the white hats have taken, and yes, it is necessary. Americans have had it too good for too long. America needs to be reminded what true sacrifice is. The only way is for the economy to collapse. Our society is rotten to the core, not just the elites, but the people too. Most people don't even acknowledge or understand the sacrifice people have made for this country and treat Memorial Day as a day to grill, not a day to honor the fallen. For many people, Thanksgiving has been kicked to the curb in order to trample people at Best Buy to get a shitty deal on a TV they don't need while making retail workers miss time with their families. Christmas has been turned into a commercialism 
into commercialism instead of celebrating the birth of Christ and spending time with family. Normies have neglected their children and their country to satisfy their entertainment-filled lives. So the boat has to be rocked. The normies have to have their lives destroyed and learn that at the end of the day, it was their neglect that caused this. I know many of you will hate this process, but you should be thankful. The collapse of the petrodollar is inevitable. You are way ahead of them, though. Trump has told us how bad it will get numerous times. I truly believe if you prep hardcore for the next year and stack physical gold and silver, you will be rich when all is said and done. $10 a gallon gas will destroy the economy. Diesel could get to $15 a gallon. You have to stop bitching and prepare for this. I understand that we are frustrated with the elections, but you have to accept this plan is for libtards and normies, not us, whether you like it or not. I hate normies, but the lesson has to strike deep into their hearts and souls. Time to prepare and cowboy up, because a storm is coming. Where Anons battle harder by surviving hundreds of psyops. We'll weather the storm, unquote. I agree with that. Again, <laughs> this is why I'm reading it. I completely agree with it. I, I do believe that you know, back in the Revolutionary War, the three percenters, that it was approximately only 3% of the population was actually fighting back against the British. And the others were just going about their daily lives. Um, we need more than 3% of the American population to wake up. And if the military swoops in and, and saves the day, so to speak, too early, that's not going to send a good message. There has to be more that is taken away from people so that they can see how bad things actually get. And uh, we, we, again, we, we know that the globalists are doing this with regularity. The Klaus Schwab's of the world and whatever else. They're still having their meetings. They're still getting together. They're still telling everybody about digital currency and all this other stuff, social credit scores, you name it. But something that would, again, which is talked about with regularity on numerous shows. The one thing that would wake up countless people are bare shelves in the stores. Doesn't matter how big the store, like a Costco, for example, a Sam's Club, something along those lines. Do you have those giant stores where the shelves are going empty and they're not getting material? And you actually have all of these brain dead zombies walking into those stores, looking around and actually complaining to employees about why why is there nothing on your shelf where am i supposed to get stuff blah 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 i mean that's a that's its own level of panic which is really going to be interesting because these individuals aren't prepared they have no storable food they have no storable water uh you know th th they'll be stuck they'll just be stuck but they need to be stuck that's the point. They need to be stuck. And it's not necessarily our job to dig them out of it. That's not our job. Because, again, it's the old fish for a man, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. There's a lesson there that they have to learn. It's going to be a hard one, but it's one that they have to learn. So that's my two cents on that. Here's the next thing. 
And again, I do have some education-related things to bring up and jab-related things as well. Um, I want to I want to tell a quick story before I play this audio regarding Simone Gold, which I said I was going to play on the last on the last episode for this episode. Uh, Stu Peters has a guy on his show from time to time by the name of Christopher Key. Now, I have no reason necessarily to believe that Christopher Key has bad intentions. Um, here's what I do know. Christopher Key spent a lot of time selling people chlorine dioxide, which, if ingested in small doses, um, increases the amount of oxygen within the body. And it can kill parasites and things of that nature, because that's what increased oxygen does. Christopher Key was promoting himself in this chlorine dioxide as, as, a, uh, as being free. That if you just simply reached out to him over email or texted him, that he would ask you for your address. He would ask you for a donation of money in any amount you wanted on his, on his uh, GoFundMe page. And then he would send you chlorine dioxide. You didn't have to make a donation, but apparently it was highly encouraged. So back in March, I decided to test this out to see how honest he was. And that was my intention. Again, this was back in the springtime. I sent him an email. Uh, he got, and I said, I'm interested in chlorine dioxide. Here's my name. Here's my address. Go ahead and send it. That was my first, that was my first indication, or I, I would say buoy in the water to see whether or not he was going to be honest about what he was actually promoting and selling. Uh, immediately, I got back a text message that said, absolutely, no problem. Go ahead and make a donation to my GoFundMe page if you can in any amount. I texted him back and I said, you said it was free. And again, there was no response. Weeks passed and then another text message and it said, go ahead and make a donation to my GoFundMe page and then I will, uh, I'll get right on that. I'll, I'll get right on sending you the chlorine dioxide. So I went over to his uh, GoFundMe page and, and I made a $25 donation. Again, I did it just to see what would happen. I emailed him back and I said, just donated 25 bucks. Where's my chlorine dioxide? Months passed. Months without a response. Then it was around August or September, if not October, somewhere in there, where I got a response back because I hit him up one more time and I started calling him out as being a grifter. I said, you're, you're telling people that you're providing something that you're not providing, and then you're asking them to make a donation when in the exact same breath you're saying they don't have to. So what are you doing here? Send me my chlorine dioxide. He sends me an email back and he says, I can't do that or I'll go to jail. I can't send you that or I'll go to jail. I heard him actually say this the other day when he was on Stu Peters' show. He said, I can't even talk about that or I'll go to jail. And I thought, all right, that's weird. And then he emailed back and he said, but I can send you, uh, I can send you these energy chips and you know, these other things and whatever else. And I said, you have my name and address. Here it is again. Here it is again. Send it. Still haven't gotten anything. 
My warning here is this. Be careful about these people who are selling things. Again, don't criticize me for reaching out to him and using him as a litmus test. That's what I was doing on purpose. I was doing it to see if he was going to be honest with what it is that he was promoting and selling. I did it on purpose. Again, you know, th- th- this was this was the point. I wasn't really interested in the chlorine dioxide. I wasn't I'm not wasn't interested in these other things he has. I wanted to see if he was going to do what he said he was going to do and he didn't. And that bothers me. When people grift like that because now he has $25 of my money and I have nothing. So that's the lesson. Just be careful with these people. I'm I'm shocked that uh you know th- that people don't do what I did I guess and and test the waters and and see if people are being honest or not and then uh you know and then they won't talk about it or I don't know maybe they don't have a a bigger platform whatever it may be but Christopher Key is a character and uh he might be well intended but he still stole $25 of my money that I donated to him with the understanding I would get something in return and I got nothing so speaking of grifters and this is kicking it up a notch Simone Gold I'm going to play the audio of the entire interview between Stu Peters and an AFLDS person who works for them and uh yeah give this a listen it's lengthy, but it's worth it. And I'm not going to interrupt anything she says. I'm just going to play the entire thing. And here we go. In three, two, one. So it's an important lesson that everyone needs to learn at some point in their lives. Just because somebody holds the right opinions on important topics or says that they do, doesn't mean that they're good people. Some people are just charlatans. Some people are frauds. Some people just lie to gain status or power. And some people are just simply corrupt. And sadly, that reality is destroying the group America's frontline doctors right now. Dr. Simone Gold founded that group. We have no reason to believe that she isn't sincere in actually opposing COVID lockdowns and mandates and everything else. But after Dr. Gold went to jail for a spell after being at the January 6th incident, some other members of AFLDS audited the group's finances. And according to a new lawsuit, what they found is that Dr. Gold used the funds to buy a $3.6 million mansion in Florida, which she lives in rent-free with her boyfriend, an underwear model and former employee who's 20 years younger than her. Well, the lawsuit also says that Gold purchased three cars with the group's money. She spends $12,000 a month on personal security, $5,600 a month on a personal housekeeper, oh, and about $50,000 a month in other spending. She's reportedly used the group's money to fly private jets. And her underwear model boyfriend spends more than 10 grand a month on his own with the group's credit cards. And today we can report more. The other day, our show received this message from an anonymous source, quote, I was given your contact information from a good friend. I work for America's frontline doctors and wanted to blow the whistle on what we're experiencing in the midst of a seemingly hostile takeover by Dr. Simone Gold. I wanted to share this on behalf of the AFLDS staff currently subject to a campaign of division spearheaded by Dr. Gold. Since the case was filed between her and our board of directors, she has behaved ironically like the tyrants that she has sworn to stand up to. She's been forcing staff to swear allegiance to her and only report to her 
and her team of overpaid sycophants that have helped push along her fraudulent takeover. If staff chooses to swear allegiance and or remain objective, we're told that she does not accept this and we are out, unquote. Well, we absolutely wanted to speak with this person as soon as we could. And this anonymous whistleblower, as you probably just heard, is with us now. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you being here. We understand why you're protecting your anonymity. I mean, we live in a world right now where it's dangerous to your life to blow the whistle on anybody who seemingly is in power or is aligned with the right people. That's right, Stu. Thank you for having me. And absolutely, and based off the behaviors I've experienced, Again, I chose to remain objective from the very beginning of this, and there's only been one side of the litigants that have behaved just completely um, inappropriate, tyrannical is really the word that just comes to mind. Um, so I felt that I could not, you know, have my face and name put out there just based off this last week, yeah. uh, a few weeks. So, I mean, yep. here at this program, obviously, we're not anti-capitalists. I have no problem with Dr. Simone Gold making money. I don't care if she makes $10 million, $100 million a month for, for all I care. But the problem here is, is that this was an organization that was raising money off the backs of really good people, really good Christians, really good blue-collar patriot Americans that thought that that organization was designed and set up to fight back against a tyranny, a medical tyranny that was inflicting pain on families as they were separating people from their loved ones, putting them in hospitals, throwing them on remdesivir, strapping them to a ventilator, and then killing them for cash, murdering them for money. We also saw that you know this organization was set up to fight back against mandates, both mask and vaccine. And then it turns out that the money that blue-collared Americans, probably by majority, donated to this organization that had a really pretty name and a really catchy message, and now it turns out that these people who probably don't have money to spare, who does these days, uh, gave this money so that she could run around with her 20 years junior underwear model in her $3.6 million mansion and fly around the country on private jets. It's disgusting. Completely deplorable, and it's why I chose to remain objective. So I want to start this off by saying that this is not an attack on Dr. Gold. As a matter of fact, I, I was a friend of hers. I use the word was just because of the way I've been treated the last couple of weeks. I don't see a friend ever treating someone that way. It's, it's why I've been able to really question everything about her and what I consider to be a friendly person for two years. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't actually the case. And it's all seemingly just kind of a, a show. And, um, you know, I had initially chosen to remain objective, but it was, again, that behavior that made me want to blow the whistle and do something on behalf of all of us in here, because there are a good handful of us here that are still standing objective, refusing to bow down to her, claim allegiance is what I'm calling it, because she literally said, either you're with me or you're out. I do not accept this. These are. You know, I have screenshots of this stuff. People really want to see it. But this is what we're dealing with. Um, someone that's kind of just lost sight of what we all came here for and really made me question everything. Um, I didn't know anything about the money. I don't do the money. I do the front line. It's why I'm so offended and why I refuse to just stay quiet while we're waiting for a court to work things out, which we all know takes time. Because this is war. I'm a veteran. I stand, my job here at AFLDS is to stand for and to help the freedom fighters. I am the frontline worker here. 
I'm the person that I consider that she's used now. Her, and again, what I've termed the overpaid circle of sycophants. They've used people like me and our volunteers, our, you know, 40,000 something warriors that are on the ground, like Sue said, pulling people out of the hospital, helping them get medication, helping them get their jobs back, fighting back at school boards. Where are the people doing that? And when I read this case filing, because like I said, she was my friend. I took no sides. As I was supporting her, if anything. Then I read the case. I'm an intelligent person. Lawyers put this case together. When they put figures down in black and white, I have to really take that seriously. And these figures are so offensive to what I stand for, to what our volunteers stand for, to what AFLDS was founded on to stand for, that I could not in any case declare any type of, declare any type of allegiance to this person. I needed to, and the other side as well. I chose, you know what? I'm going to do what I was trained in the military. When my leadership becomes inept, when they become a threat to the mission, I am to step in. I am to take control, reset, reorient my, my troops back to the mission, and then wait for someone who's higher than me to come in and tell me what I'm supposed to do. And until that happens, which in this case is going to be a judge telling me where I go next, what we do with this data, with this information that I've been harassed to hand over, I'm not, they're not getting it. I'm yeah. going to protect them. And I'm waiting for the judge to show it. Because right now it looks like the American people have been robbed tremendously. And the amount of money in just salaries alone of people above me was enough to open hundreds, if not thousands of cases last year and could have completely changed the tide of this war. Yeah, uh, you're right. The American people have been robbed. You've been robbed of your time. You've been used yep. as a pawn. The, the uh, misery and heartache of families who have lost loved ones who've been medically murdered or have died uh, suddenly after these injections, the mandates, the lockdowns, suicide, I mean, you name it, you name it. It has been that misery that apparently has been used to enrich a person who was presenting themselves as some sort of a do-gooder and a hero. Now, I will also say this, in preparing for this segment, I've talked to people very close to the situation. and. Um, I'm going to protect the anonymity of this person for now. There's an attorney who's very well versed on this stuff, who knows about this situation, who is giving us an unconfirmed report. And I, I just want to get this out there because I want people to understand that this is the type of thing that happens. So while we are sitting back waiting for a court, a judge or a jury to rule on this, it has been said that uh, Dr. Simone Gold has now aligned herself with the Rothschilds, that she's been in contact with the Rothschilds, that she's going to be covered by the Rothschilds, who are going to have her released from this lawsuit and put this on the shoulders of another person. So uh, with that being said, I don't want people to blindly trust our judiciary, our judicial system, or the process here, which we have also seen has been taken over by totalitarians. I don't know if you know the name of the person. I don't know if you know the person that they may put this on instead of uh, Simone Gold. And I don't know when all of this started, but when did you start to see behavior inside of AFLDS that didn't look like, you know, a representation of what you were there for? So the, the real red flags to me happened. <clears throat> so she went to prison, as we all know, she was in for 60 days. During that 60 days, an audit was performed. Ironically, she's the one that hired this audit team, this firm of, of um, attorneys that came in and, and analyzed everything. While she was in there, 
you know, all these things are coming to light. Now, again, I'm the, I'm the warrior. I don't do any of this. And I asked even over the two years, I don't want to know nothing about money. That's not my game. I'm a fighter. Don't talk to me about money. The audit happened, of course, whatever, every nonprofit, every nonprofit does an audit. Absolutely. Let's do this. And it, you know, they, they revealed about her boyfriend making $10,000 a month. He had his own credit card of the American people's money. He was buying gym memberships, hair products, clothing. Again, they had that housekeeper doing his laundry, $5,600 a month uh, shop. It was just ridiculous. He got fired. She gets out of prison. She finds out he's fired. At first, she's okay with it. 48 hours she spent with him shortly after being released. After that 48 hours with said underwear model boyfriend, everything changed. It's just and it disgusting. Got real, real weird. Yeah. Real weird. It's just okay. gross, to be honest with you. It's just really gross. Um, I got to go here. You know, we only have a certain amount of time for segments, and I got to get to break. Uh, a lot to yeah. cover today. This is just disgusting. And you know what? I just want to say this also. Dr. Simone Gold has been offered a platform here on this program multiple times, has refused every time. Uh, maybe she thought she was going to get Vernon Jones. Maybe she thought that I'd sniff her out. I don't know. Maybe she thought that I would know that she's a fraud. But here's what I will say. Um, we will offer the platform again. So, Dr. Simone Gold, uh, here's your official invitation. If you want to come on here and defend yourself, any of this is untrue, please, we would like to know because there are tens of millions of people who have, with generosity in their hearts, given to this organization, not so that you could run around with your 20 years junior underwear model, fly private jets gallivanting around the country and buy $3.6 million mansions. That is not what they had on their minds. I can almost guarantee that I can speak on behalf of those millions of donors when I say that that is not what they thought their money was going to. Uh, thank you very much for coming here. We really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you, Stu. Blessing. Blessings, everybody. And use your discernment, people. Do not fall for idols. Here's another little thing. Does anybody <laughs> just, I, I'm sorry, just get a big smile on my face every, every single time I, I hear about this stuff with Dr. Gold. It's so funny. Uh, it's, I, I think it's great. Have you ever seen the movie Goodfellas? There's a very important scene in that movie. There's a scene where the gangsters make a big score. They take a bunch of cash and then they divvy the cash out among their members and then they have a christmas party they're being surveilled of course people are watching them paying attention to their moves whatever else but they were told beforehand and as the as the money was being dealt out from i believe de niro's character that they shouldn't spend the money on lavish things that they need to keep a low profile and that's what they need to do. So they have this Christmas party after the fact then. And a couple walks in where the guy, of course, is, is one of the members of, of the mob with, uh, with De Niro and everybody else. And he and his wife are wearing, or his wife rather, is at the very least, is wearing a brand new mink coat. And then De Niro meets him at the door. And says, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, what are you talking about? He says, uh, what's, what's with the coat? I'm paraphrasing the scene. 
But he said, what's with this coat? He says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. He said, is that your, is that your brand new car out in, the, out in the street? He goes, yeah, it's a Cadillac. I just got it. He goes, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You're showing people what you're doing with your money and you're drawing attention to yourself in a rather, oh, I don't know, suspicious way. See, when John Strand, Simone Gold's boyfriend, walks into a room, he looks like a gay pimp. That's not an exaggeration. If you've ever seen this guy on camera or on video, he looks like a gay pimp. He walks in, he has Gucci glasses, sequins on his shoes, skin-tight jeans, and a fur coat. He looks like a gay pimp. They wear their money. They're wearing it. This was one of the things that I sniffed out again over a year ago at that conference in San Antonio. I noticed that it was all just promotional stuff. It was a lot of promotional stuff. Not a lot of real fact-sharing fact and not a ton of listening going on. It was more back-patting and let's do this again and maybe a year from now we can all get together and talk about our victories and blah, blah, blah. It seemed like a giant money-filtering operation to me, which is exactly what it is now. At least that's Gold's aspect of it. But there you go. She's been caught. And I love it. And uh, there's going to be way more information about this. Again, receiving the backing of the Rothschilds, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Simone Gold is Jewish. The Rothschilds are Jewish. They're going to stick up for one another no matter what. Simone Gold is going to buy the best lawyers that money can buy. But if a judge isn't bought off, there's no way that you look at this and don't don't make the proper determination as to what they've done and where that money has gone. So, <clears throat> excuse me, grifters, ladies and gentlemen, they are everywhere. And they're not going away right now. Uh, we're just being shown who they are. Okay, shifting gears here slightly. Um, couple of horrible stories. One, I believe, out of Missouri. I don't have the story in front of me, but football players were getting off of a bus from a college or university, and another black man came in and shot a couple of them, or at least five or six of them. At least two of them died. The mainstream media, of course, never touched that story whatsoever because, of course, the shooter was black. So there's that. Here's another one. This is from the Gateway Pundit, um, and this is from the University of Idaho. There were four students who were apparently stabbed to death. And I believe, as the story is now being revealed, that they were stalked to some extent, and then they were all stabbed to death within the exact same house uh, last week. This is, uh, this is awful. But this highlights something else that I want to mention and just reiterate. This proves that a lot of individuals do not know that we are at war, and that there are a great deal of young individuals who walk around thinking that evil will never touch them. And those aren't just young individuals. I've met very older adults as well that walk around with children who act like evil will never touch them. 
We are at war, and if you are not carrying a gun with a bullet in the pipe, ready to rock and roll, on your, on your hip, during war, then you're missing the mark and putting yourself in danger. Same thing with your family members around you. Again, this is war, and that is an ex- that's a perfect example of why college students should be carrying guns all of the time for self-protection, all of the time. What wins in a knife fight and a gun fight? The gun wins every single time. Pull the gun out, point it, shoot it, guy with the knife drops dead. If one of them had a gun, more of them would be alive. But why college students don't own a gun is beyond me. Now, I understand, again, to have a pistol, you have to be 21. To carry it on yourself, the exact same thing is true. Then, at the very least, you should be carrying a knife also. Always on your person. Have a gun and a knife if you can. But if you you can't legally carry a gun, carry a knife. Have your head on a swivel when you're doing things. Again, the, the, you've heard me say cumulative risk before. It's a tongue twister. Cumulative risk. When you add a dangerous thing on top of another dangerous thing on top of another dangerous thing, the likelihood of a bad outcome is likely. College students drinking, not paying attention, thinking no one's ever going to hurt them, not knowing we're at war, not armed. What do you expect to happen? People get taken advantage of and people get killed. College campuses and university campuses are dangerous. They've always been dangerous. But this is different now, isn't it? Because you have actual colleges and universities that are jabbing people and telling people to pump a biological weapon into their bodies in order to attend. And yet, they're more concerned about protesting anti-gun violence, as they would call it, than they are learning about how to use a gun and what kind of gun to own when the time is right and learning about situational awareness. They're not paying attention to these kinds of things, by and large. There are plenty of students who do, but this matters. It matters. So I just wanted to mention that because it's a remarkably unfortunate story. Uh, here's another one. This, this is also interesting too, I think. And kind of comical, but uh, it's, it's something that goes on in American classrooms with, with regularity, regardless of the individual teacher's political persuasion. There was a Texas teacher who was in a classroom, an older white man, and he was having a discussion, God knows why, with students in his classroom about race. He said the following, he was being recorded. He was sitting down with students sitting around him. And again, why he would have this conversation, not know he was being recorded, um, just shows again his lack of situational awareness. And he apparently doesn't understand how the entire thing operates. He, He doesn't know that this is what goes on in American schools, that there are students who would love to have individuals get caught who work within the building saying or behaving in a way, saying something or behaving in a way that would get them fired. It's a constant game that gets played. 
It's constant. And that, again, is also something that is not taught in teacher education programs to students about the work environment, that this is the work environment you're walking into. You're walking into an environment where everybody around you is really trying to get you fired. It could be a, a teacher or a secretary that doesn't like you. It could be an administrator that doesn't like you, but it could also be a student or a group of students that don't like you. He said this, he said, quote, deep down in my heart, I'm ethnocentric, which means I think my race is the superior one. It says the teacher was recorded telling students of various races last week inside a classroom at Bowles Middle School, a sixth through eighth grade school in Pluferville, Plug, Pluggerville, no way I get that right, uh, Pflugerville, there you go, Pflugerville about 18 miles north of Austin. He said, quote, I think everybody thinks that. They're just not honest about it. And then what happened was the students started to say, so what you're saying is, is you're racist. And he said, I think everybody is to some extent. He didn't say that he didn't like people. He said, I'm not racist, though. I like all types of kinds. Another student then said, wait, so you said you're, you said you're what? You are a racist? He said, I think everybody is a racist at that level. And then the same student tells him, no, but you said you are racist. Then he says, I did, I did. He's been let go, rightfully so. He raises an interesting point, which is if the shoe were on the other foot, would the person get fired? I think we know the answer to that question. And it doesn't help that, again, he wasn't thinking. And he wasn't, again, just he just lacked situational awareness. He can think whatever he wants to think and believe whatever he'd like to believe. That's fine. I'm not going after what he believes. I'm going after his lack of judgment and situational awareness. It's an environment that is designed to catch people constantly. And then, of course, as we know, All that does, and all he really accomplished, was stoking more race division than what already exists. That the that the left in this country loves to loves to stoke and loves and loves to have and ramp up as much as they can. Look, we found an old white racist teacher in Texas saying he's a racist to black students. I mean, that's also a teacher who's at the end of his rope. That's a guy who's been in the business for a long time and is he's just at the end of his rope. He's lost his filter. He's lost his inhibitions. Um, he, he didn't know where he was. Having that conversation with family and friends, that's one thing. Having that conversation with black students in the middle of school, eh, I don't think so. That's, that's not a good call. But this too is also what happens when you're not teaching your subject and you just decide to start having a random conversation about a random subject with students in your class. Again, we don't know what was being said before the recording was taking place. We don't know the full context of the conversation. The point is, is that you want to avoid situations like that as much as you can. Uh, At the very least, for this reason right here, I mean, this is it. So he's out of a job. Everybody knows his name. He's all over the internet. Uh, You know, he's finished. Off to Starbucks for him, I guess. But yeah, there should be free and open dialogue. But I'm I'm telling you, 
the school district and the and the higher ups in administration within a K-12 school district are always looking to get rid of teachers no matter what, because they're going to do whatever they can now to ramp up their public relations by reaffirming that they are not a racist school district and look what we did with this guy. We fired him and we have no tolerance for people like this and blah, blah, blah. You know, he's he's just having a conversation that he shouldn't be having. That's all. I've spent too much time on it, but that's basically it. He just should have shut up. But again, this is <laughs> this is what's happened over the last couple of years in particular. Teachers are losing their their filters. They don't know where they are. They're seeing a lot of things happen politically that that make them angry, and rightfully so. And then they figure that the classroom is the place to air their air their grievances or share with everybody what they think and what they believe. Talking politics in a classroom will almost always get you fired, unless you're in higher ed and you have more rights and, and freedoms to, to bring up subjects that you want, in particular if you can tie it into your own subject, as you've heard me mention you know, about my dad when he taught in higher ed, and the same thing with Dr. Robin McCutcheon. They knew that they had rights. They knew that they do have rights. They have uh, academic freedom. And if they tie to their subject, it's not an issue. But in a K-12 school, you have no rights. You have no rights as a school teacher. Um, yeah, there you go. Here's the next one. Again, it's directly tied to the brainwashing behavior of what's going on in K-12 school, I think, along with countless other people. People still do this, too. My eye doctor does this. He did it just the other day. He still wears a mask, by the way. Nobody else wears a mask in my eye doctor's uh, office, but he does. I've never actually seen his face. Uh, I, I don't know what he looks like. But um, he, he uses hand sanitizer religiously. I mean, the guy opens the door, comes in, a couple of squirts in the hands, rubs his hands, never touches me. I mean, he doesn't even touch me. doesn't shake my hand, nothing. He's rubbing his hands to touch the same iPad that he has in his hands that he's already touching. This comes from Citizen.News or Citizens News, top stories from independent journalists across the web. It's titled, Cancer-Causing Chemical Found in 21 Hand Sanitizer Brands, Say Scientists. Yep, they've always been poison. Now, what American K-12 school forced hand sanitizer on all of the children who attend? Which one did it? Which singular school? Oh, that's right. All of them. All of them. It says the following. Hand sanitizers were in high demand during the peak of the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic. But since last year, 21 hand sanitizer brands had been recalled or banned in the United States as data revealed, revealed rather, that these products contain a cancer-causing chemical. They were among the 168 brands tested last year by independent lab Valisure. Thousands of products made in China, South Korea, and America were pulled from the shelves between April 2021 and September of 2022, according to the data. Hand sanitizers like gels and sprays contain dangerous levels of benzene, a carcinogen that's, that's included in the government's most dangerous solvent list. Benzene is normally detected in crude oil, plastics, resins, some dyes, and pesticides. When rubbed onto the hands, even in very small doses, benzene can seep through your skin and into your bloodstream. The chemical can then stop cells from working correctly. 
Benzene is linked to leukemia and other blood disorders. Additionally, overexposure to benzene can prevent bone marrow from producing enough red blood cells, which can lead to anemia and blood cancer. Benzene can also harm the immune system by changing blood levels of antibodies and eliminating white blood cells. Let's see, the hand sanitizers list below have either been recalled by the FDA or had an important ban enforced because of benzene contamination. Are you ready for these? Here they come. 21 of them. Uh, Antica Ocean Citron, made by Salon Technologies International. AOMI is another one. Uh, let's see. Art Naturals Scent, the Australian Wellness Company. Best Brand Consumer Products, Disney Princess Hand Sanitizer. Best Brand Consumer Products, Disney Frozen 2 Hand Sanitizer. Best Brand Consumer Products, uh, Best Brand Consumer Products again. Best Brand Products again, Marvel Spider-Man Hand Sanitizer. Best Brand Products, Star Wars Mandalorian Hand Sanitizer. Who is this directed to, do you think? Come on. They want your kids dead. And they want the parents to be the ones that do it. That's how Satan operates. This continues. Number 11. Cala, C-A-L-A, Advanced Hand Sanitizer. Uh, the Cream Shop's Moisturizing Hand Sanitizer Peppermint Scent. The Cream Shop's Moisturizer Hand Sanitizer with various scents. Koso Health and Hand Sanitizer, Fresh Lemon Citron, uh, Freyas uh, Scented Hand Sanitizer, I don't know, Hand Sanitizer Isoprofil Alcohol Antiseptic, I guess. Sorry about that word. Um, let me see. Number 17, International Sanitizing Hand Spray. Number 18, Photo Real Collection Hand Sanitizer. Number 19, Scent Sationalize Sanitizer. Number 20, SS Black and White Collection Sanitizer. And 21, Terra Pure Hand Sanitizer. Honest to God, ladies and gentlemen, it's always been poison. Use soap and water. Stop the brainwashing. It's nuts. I mean, the hand sanitizer came out the same time the masks did. In force, I might add. In force. That should be suspicious enough for people. You would think. Apparently not. Jab stuff. Here we go. Okay. This comes from the Virology Journal. And you're not going to believe who funded this, although I'm sure you can and uh, what they actually arrived at, what the conclusion was. Here's the title, and this was from back on August 22nd, 2005. Are you ready? Here it is. The title, Chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. Who funded this research and this particular journal? The NIH who was in charge of the NIH during the time of this particular article's publication and funding, you guessed it, Anthony Fauci. 
The conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, chloroquine is effective in preventing the spread of SARS-CoV in cell culture. Favorable inhibition of virus spread was observed when the cells were either treated with chloroquine prior to or after SARS-CoV infection. In addition, the indirect immunofluorescence assay described herein represents a simple and rapid method for screening SARS-CoV antiviral compounds, the end. Hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, that's all, that's all it took. Could have made it in your own home with the rinds of lemons and grapefruit, distilling it to some extent. Those recipes exist. I've put them in the descriptions below of my shows. No one had to take any poisonous bioweapon shot. It's nuts. The people that they've killed is astounding. Here's the next one from the Gateway Pundit. 13-year-old Canadian hockey player dies suddenly after collapsing during basketball tryout. This keeps happening in schools, by the way. It's happening in schools in England. It's happening in schools in Australia. I've read those stories before. Haven't brought all of them up on the show, but that's continuing to happen, and you'd better believe it's happening in America. The media is just doing a very good job of keeping it quiet, and these school districts are, keeping a, are doing a very good job of keeping it quiet, but make no mistake, it's happening with regularity. This was on November 9th, 13-year-old Eric Homersham a grade 8 student at West Island College in Calgary, Canada, died unexpectedly after collapsing during a school basketball tryout. The cause of death has yet to be determined. I think we know. I think we know. Here's the last uh, ridiculous thing. Also from the Gateway Pundit, my apologies, but, uh, you know, they're on this jab-related stuff, which is good. It's titled, More Fake News Trash, NBC News Suggests Parents Keep Their Kids Away from Unvaccinated Individuals for Protection. And people will do it because they are dumb. If NBC says it, the exact opposite is the truth. It is the unvaccinated that should actually be staying away from the jabbed. I've brought up all the reasons why that's the case. Electromagnetism is how dis-ease travels from person to person, disrupts the cells, because again, we are 90% water. When the cells in our body become disrupted and recognize other disrupted cells in other people, even based on our own emotions, that's what happens. The body gets rid of toxic cells. But the shedding that is occurring from the bioweapons that people have taken is going to continue. Again, just because people aren't Mentioning shedding stories much anymore doesn't mean that it's not happening. It is certainly happening. Uh, and this is insane, this particular story. Again, if NBC says it, the exact opposite is the case. It is the vaccinated that should be staying away from the unvaccinated. And I might add, the vaccinated being around the vaccinated isn't good either. And that's been brought up for numerous reasons over past episodes, endless times. So they have to get out in front of this, NBC does, because now they're basically saying that it's 
a shedding related thing. The only problem is, is that the tables are turned. Everything is upside down with their story. So it's sort of a backwards admission of how actual dis-ease spreads from person to person. Uh, okay, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. The war continues. Bounce over to the uh, American Classroom Substack if you are interested in checking out my recent article. Again, I break down the executive order that Trump signed, ironically enough, right before the 2018 midterm election. And why would he sign an executive order having to do with for foreign interference in an election? And then why would Joe Biden, of all people, re-up and extend that executive order? Weird. Same thing with the Insurrection Act. Those are two particular things that should give people some pause and give people some ease as to who is really in control here. But things are certainly going to amp up. There's no doubt about that. And uh, the normies have to wake up. They have to wake up. Empty shelves, I think, is going to be one of those things that wakes people up. High gas prices, illness, unfortunately, a lot of things. So we press on, do we not? We press on. Have a great weekend, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll catch you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.